views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hi, everyone. I'm Gene Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. So I've got some good news for you. Inflation is cooling. It even looks like it might ease a little further in the months ahead. But the historic spike in inflation that we've experienced over the past year, well, it's still having a profound influence on everyday life. We tend to think about things like eggs and milk, but I want to talk about the job market. The job search website Monster conducted a survey earlier this year, found that 96% of workers said they're looking for a new job this year. And almost half of these people said it's because they need a higher income because of inflation, because of their rising expenses. Changing jobs is widely considered to be one of the best ways to increase your salary. You typically get a much bigger bump than you do by sticking with your current employer. And that's a problem because overall, increases in salaries have not been high enough to keep pace with inflation unless you make a jump. So it's what's driving many people to look for new jobs in the hopes of grabbing some additional dollars. In related news, we're also seeing a trend emerging among people who recently retired and are unretiring. About one in six people who've been retired for about four years are considering rejoining the workforce, according to paychecks. So why exactly are they doing it? Well, the survey laid out five reasons. They tell us it's number one, personal reasons. And by the way, I read between the lines and I think this means I love my spouse, but I can't spend so much time with him or her, or as they say, better or worse, but not for lunch, right? Needing more money, that's inflation, right? Getting bored, totally understandable. Feeling lonely. We talked about this on the show a couple weeks back and the fact that loneliness can be as bad as we hear from the Surgeon General as 15 cigarettes a day. And number five, you guessed it, inflation. For people who are unretiring, there are some really important financial planning considerations to keep in mind because they can make things more complicated. For example, Earning extra pay can shrink your Social Security benefit if you claim before full retirement age, which is between 66 and 67, depending on the year in which you were born. If you claim before full retirement age, there is an earnings cap 
This year, it's $21,240, and it means for every $2 you earn over that limit, you'll lose a dollar of your benefit. I don't want to let that stop people from working. Let me just point out, you do get the money back once you reach full retirement age. The money comes back to you in the form of a higher benefit. So you can think of that in terms of forced savings. Medicare is another complicating factor. Earning extra income could trigger additional costs for Medicare Parts B and D. And whether someone is considering unretiring or you're looking for another job straight up, one of the most important considerations is what to do with your already existing retirement plan, your 401k or your 403b. For some help with how to manage all of that, our friend Isabel Barrow is here. She's a financial planner at Edelman Financial Engines. She's an expert on this and so many topics. Isabel, welcome back. Always good to see you. You too, Jean. Thanks for having me. So how do you handle the money in your 401k when you retire or change jobs? Yeah. Well, the best approach obviously is going to be based on your unique circumstances. So there is not a one size fits all here. But generally speaking, there are four things that you can do with your retirement plan once you are separated from service, either because you retire or you leave to get a new job or for whatever reason. Number one, in most cases, you can keep your 401k in the company retirement plan. So just leave it alone, leave it where it is. If you're going to a new employer, so your new employer has their own 401k plan, you're changing jobs, you might be able to just move your old plan into your new plan, just transfer it into the new company's uh, retirement plan. You can roll it over into an IRA. That's an option. Having money in an IRA instead of a 401k can mean a much wider array of options, still offering similar or the same tax benefits of the 401k plan, just with different investment options available. That said, it it sometimes does still make sense to keep money in the, in the 401k instead of rolling it over into an IRA. The last option is to withdraw the money. Not always the best option, but it is available. You can always just take it out. It's your money to do with what you choose. Yeah, I, I even hate that we have to put that right. one on the list. That one has an asterisk. Right? Exactly. So can we go back to those items on your list and just expand a little bit on when they do and don't make sense? Let's start with leaving your money where it is. When are you allowed to do that? Most of the time, you can. There are some circumstances where an employer might force you out of the plan. One that I'm thinking of is if they are changing plans, you know, they're changing sponsors, and you don't fill out the paperwork in time, you might end up with a check in the mail, right? So, But otherwise, for the most part, most plans allow you to leave your money in their 401k plan, whether or not you have retired or you've gone to a new job. And if you like the investment options in the plan they're offering, you like the investment management services or the rebalancing options they have, you like the tools and the programs, and you're confident that the asset allocation approach you're taking, that the portfolio management approach you're taking is good, that the fees are low, then leaving the 401k um, where it is might actually be the best option for you. But if you don't like the investment choices, if you don't like the fees, if you don't like the specific type of help and guidance that you're getting or that's provided directly through the plan, and you want more, let's say, flexibility, right, with investments or simplicity just with having all things consolidated, then you might want to consider alternatives. You know, some plans 
for example, can be restrictive on how often you can trade or rebalance Mm -hmm. or maybe how your beneficiaries can receive the funds when you pass away. Even how you can make or take distributions when you're retired, it, meaning the income stream, that that can be somewhat prohibitive. And often people don't realize there's a cost to being in the 401k. They don't look at the fees. Fees are there and, and they have to tell you what they are. There are disclosure requirements. So you should pay attention to that. If you don't like the fees, that's another reason to maybe move the money. What about transferring the old 401k into your 401k with your new employer. I mean, when I think about all the different times, especially younger people are changing jobs, I worry about these orphan 401ks being left behind. It happens all the time. You know, I I will meet with someone who says, I have a 401k from 15 years ago. I just remembered, or I'm trying to dig up a statement for a small 401k account. Maybe it's just not even worth it. It's only a couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, wait, it's, it's a couple it. thousand dollars. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> you know, I, I think if you intend to change careers or, or, or even get a new career in retirement, if the new employer is offering a 401k plan, you may be able to just transfer the money from the old plan into the new one, if there is one, of course. If you are over RMD age, so let's say you're 73 or older and you're still working, this really might make sense because if you transfer the old plan into a new plan, you don't have to take required minimum distributions as long as you're still working. If that money was in an IRA or in the old plan, for example, you have to take those distributions. And if you don't need them, you might like the option of deferring. You can do this as a direct transfer. So it's similar to a rollover. You're just, you know, setting up a a process whereby it's moving from the old plan into the new plan. Usually it's paperwork, but sometimes it can be done online or, or even by check. But you really need to be careful because if you accidentally take a distribution, you may not be able to get it back into the plan. And you may have to pay taxes on it at I, that point. And or a penalty, right? right? depending on your age. I mean, right. the nice thing about these seamless distributions like an IRA rollover is that in many cases, you just tell the company that's receiving the money that they're getting the money and they make it happen for you. Yeah, I think that that sometimes people will call this a 60-day rollover. That's not what it is. If you're transferring money from a plan to a plan, that's a direct transfer. If you're transferring money from a plan to an IRA, that's a direct rollover. It's all happening kind of behind the scenes. You're not actually taking ownership of any of those, any of those dollars, right? It's all happening behind the scenes. When you take money out, of the plan, that's when we get into a little bit of, of complexity there with a 60-day rollover or how do you get it? You know, it depends on how it's how the check is made out. So just be careful and know, you know, you've got to work with somebody who knows what they're doing in order to get these things done properly. So let's talk about that rollover, that rollover into an IRA. When would you choose an IRA instead of choosing your new 401k plan if you have that option? Yeah. So the third option is just to do what we, again, what I just called a direct rollover. And an IRA, well, that stands for Individual Retirement Agreement. And so what that means is the money is no longer with your employer's plan. It's not linked to your former employer any anymore at all. It's instead listed in, in your name. You can roll over multiple retirement plans into one rollover IRA or traditional IRA or Roth IRA. So that can really obviously simplify your situation if you're taking three or four old plans into one IRA. You know, consolidating, it can make managing the money easier. 
You've got fewer accounts to deal with, to keep track of, to manage, to figure out all the investment strategy for. You know, how do you really, I think it's really difficult for an individual to have multiple accounts that they're tracking the asset allocation for. And picking funds for. And I have one at this institution and one at this institution, and these guys have this fund and those guys have this fund. It's just really difficult. I mean, if you are a spreadsheet person and you're going to keep track of all that and rebalance on some certain schedule, you might be really good at doing that. But I think for most people, that's really challenging. So having things consolidated or, or in one place can be much easier. And then, of course, you also have the option, if you don't want to do it, on your own, or you don't feel confident about doing it on your own, you can always hire a manager, an investment advisor on an IRA, which in many cases is not possible in a 401k. And even if it is possible, it's not the manager that you're selecting, right? right? It's the one that the employer has selected for you, which may be great, but it may not be the one that you want. So an IRA in general is going to just offer you the benefit of a much broader array of investments. You're not limited to the 10 or 20 that the employer has selected. So that increased diversification can mean potentially that you're able to better manage your risk, you're able to better manage or achieve your goals because you're selecting funds that are more diversified and and are being watched and managed and monitored and rebalanced on a more frequent basis. Another thing to think about, maybe not for everyone, but for some, is that if the money is in an IRA, you also have the option of doing Roth conversions either now or or later or down the road or over time. I want you to put a pin in the thought of a Roth conversion. We're going to talk a lot about Roths later in the show, but let's just dispense with that fourth option and let's dispense with it quickly because we don't like it. Right. You could withdraw the money. Yes, you could. (laughs) Right. We already said asterisk on this one. You can take, you can take the money out. And if you are 55 or older, when you have separated from service, you could avoid having to pay the 10% penalty. But if that money is in a traditional 401k plan, non-Roth, you're going to owe taxes on that money. And if you're under 55, you're also going to owe a penalty. So while you can take that money out, remember, you're going to be paying taxes, potentially a penalty, unless, again, this is in in a Roth 401k. And if that money is meant for retirement, then doing so may, you know, that may derail your chances of of getting to your retirement goals. You know, another thing to think about is that you have to start those required minimum distributions after age 73, unless you're, you're still working. There is an option here when we're talking about taking distributions from your 401k plan, meaning taking that money out instead of doing a rollover or consolidating to a new plan. That other option is something called a 72T, which is, yeah, I'm going to not even go into a lot of depth about that, but just to say that there are some exceptions, right, where you don't have to pay taxes or a penalty, or maybe you pay taxes, but not a penalty, and that qualifies you for those early distributions. It's things like death or or first-time home purchase or some other things, but again, conversation for another day. Well, in conversation to talk to your plan administrator about, Absolutely. for sure. There are just a couple of wrinkles that I want to get into, and I think these are particular wrinkles when you're choosing between leaving your money in your 401k and the company plan or rolling it into an IRA. And the big one is if you're switching jobs and you have 
outstanding loans from a 401k plan. A a lot of people have borrowed from their 401ks during tough economic times. What do you need to know about repaying that money and how does that affect this process? Well, it's a complicating factor because in many cases, you're going to have to pay back that loan when you separate from service. So when you leave, retire, if you still have an outstanding loan, in most cases, you've got to pay it back. Sometimes you'll get a window of 60 days, let's say, that your employer gives you to get that money back in the plan. But now you have to come up with the entire loan repayment. What you can do if you roll it over in many cases is you could write a check to the rollover, right, and and cover it that way or pay it back within the plan. But if you don't pay it back, now we're talking about the same thing. It's considered an early distribution. So it's the same thing as we just talked about with just taking the money out is you're going to have a 10% penalty if you're under 55. Um, For most people, there are some exceptions to that. I'll, I'll just point out as well. And taxes do as well. So be careful about that if you have a loan. In in some cases, if you're going to a new employer and the new employer has a plan, you can also roll over the loan balance. But again, it's really specific. So make sure you understand what your employer is offering and what your new employer is offering. What if there are surrender or transaction fees associated with selling any of your investments? Right. And that can definitely come up. There may be a surrender charge or a transaction fee for liquidations. And so you have to make a determination whether or not the the cost outweighs the benefit of making that change or potentially rolling it over into an IRA. So you need to understand, you know, if, if the plan is offered by an annuity company or it's within an annuity, there could be surrender charges. It may take you years to get the money rolled out. So you have to understand, again, the, the details of your specific plan before you make a decision. Okay, last question. When it comes to leaving your money in the company plan, what if you hold company stock? So this is something that is called NUA, net unrealized appreciation. If you hold company stock within your 401k plan, you may be able to actually take that stock as a distribution out of the plan and not put it in an IRA, but instead just put it in a regular old taxable account and pay income taxes on just the cost basis. And it allows you to pay capital gains on the earnings portion. So it might actually end up being a better idea to take the company stock out of the IRA or the 401k plan, depending on how you're going to use it, right? Because if it's still going to be in the account for a really long time and you want growth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, setting it away for 20 plus years, it may not make a lot of sense to use the NUA option and take the stock out of the plan. But again, a really complex strategy you should talk to your advisor about and understand what your options are. Thanks so much for that, Isabel. It is a lot to parse, which is why I think this is a good spot for us to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk through some additional considerations for rolling into an IRA. We'll also be joined by a special guest. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. 
or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. And we are back. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Financial planner Isabel Barrow from Edelman Financial Engines is still with me. We're talking about how to handle the money in your 401k if you're thinking about changing jobs, getting close to retirement, even unretiring, going back to work after you retired for a little while. And deciding what to do with the money in your 401k is a big decision. It might be the account that holds most of your savings, most of your investments. That's especially true for many people who are nearing retirement. And so it's nerve wracking deciding what to do with a whole big pile of money. It's a good problem to have, actually. But so far, we have talked about considerations for leaving the money in your 401k. We're going to dig into the complexities of rollover IRAs, which is a really popular choice. So we wanted to bring in Jessica DeBold. She is the Director of Advanced Planning Strategies and Tools at Edelman Financial Engines, and she's been digging into this topic for us. Jessica, welcome. Hey, Jean and Isabel. Thank you for having me back. Of course. So you've been researching rollover IRAs. Let us into what you've found. In general, IRA assets have grown a tremendous amount over the last few years, and so much of that activity has really been fueled by rollovers. The data shows that people transferred a whopping $517 billion, with a B, from employer-sponsored retirement plans into IRAs a few years ago. In mid-2021, about 21 million people had IRAs that included rollover assets, and the vast majority of these people These were transferred in from retirement plan accounts. So what it sounds like to me is that for most people who have IRAs, some of the assets in their IRAs are from these 401k or 403b rollovers. You're right. The breakdown currently is about 57% of all IRAs have assets from workplace retirement plans. The remaining 43% are those that contributed directly to IRAs. Now we know why financial services firms advertise rollover, rollover, right? I mean, what are the primary reasons for these rollovers? Jean, you spoke earlier in the podcast about people changing jobs kind of in record numbers right now. So as you may guess, the majority of these rollovers are due to job change. 73% of people do a rollover because of a job change or, you know, layoffs, terminations when you think about COVID and, you know, that impact on the workplace. 38% do a rollover, you know, because they're leaving or they're retiring. And the remaining, you know, call it 8% are for other reasons. Isabel and I were talking about the reasons that a lot of people choose to leave money in their employer's plan. And Isabel, you had a, a lot of good ones. On the flip side, what are the motivating factors that prompt people to say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to roll the money over into some form of an IRA. One of the most prominent factors is that people simply just don't want to leave their money with a former employer. Why not? 
I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, oversight of those accounts and, you know, being able to view them easily and, you know, where you're making the contributions kind of front of mind aspect of, you know, having that monitoring ability. You know, another big one is really just the desire to consolidate assets. There is certainly something to be said about simplicity when it comes to financial planning as well. And then there's some other reasons. You know, people want to preserve the tax treatment. You know, they've worked and they've saved these dollars on a pre-tax basis, and so they can preserve that treatment by rolling it over into an IRA. A big one, people want investment options. Not all retirement plans are created equally in terms of what options you have within the plan, so that's a big reason. And another one, you know, if you have a relationship with an existing financial planner like Isabel, you might want all of those assets under one roof for just, you know, ease of management and ease of financial planning. Do you hear this from your clients, Isabel, like when they're going through some of the scenarios that we talk about? I do. I think that, you know, a common one that I hear is, I want to roll over because I just don't want to leave my money at my employer. I don't trust them, or I don't like the plan, or I've had problems with A, B, or C. So that's sometimes the case. I mean, I think that everyone is sort of unique in what their needs are. Um, obviously, if they're coming to me, they, they are coming to me because they have said to themselves at some point in time, I need help. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do this on my own anymore, or I don't trust that I have the the knowledge. I don't maybe have the desire. Or I don't have the time to do it on my own. And so when they're walking through the doors, you know, they're already sort of at that point where they've said, I don't want to do this stuff on my own anymore, and I want help. Um, and so I think that's a really big reason for people to leave also, is that they're just not getting as much help as they feel like they need, possibly within the 401k plan. And again, all 401k plans are different. So some offer great resources, some offer no resources. When you're looking to make this decision, and it's a decision people face multiple times during their lives because we switch jobs so often these days, where do you get the best insight, Jessica? The top source of information and our recommendation would be from a financial advisor. Other people turn to financial service firms for education. There's seminars, workshops, webinars, calling into your plan to ask questions. The third most sought-after source of information is a former employer. Many of those do have, Isabel said, not all plans are equal. Some have tremendous resources available for their former employees and employees, and others don't offer that. We hear stories of people turning to spouses or friends for information, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on you know who they're talking to, talking to coworkers and things like that. So our recommendation is just to be very careful in who you're turning to this information for. It's very easy to find information or misinformation online, too, in terms of the rules and the complexities of rollovers and making sure that everything's compliant with the IRS. So we've talked about the worries that we have about former employers. We've talked about this notion of consolidating multiple accounts. I I totally agree um, that there are things you have to think about there. One thing we haven't talked about is beneficiary options. And Isabel, IRAs give you a little bit more flexibility, I think, with beneficiary options. Can you dig into that? Well, yes, potentially they have um, more options with beneficiaries. I think that the details of this can be a little bit complicated because what you need to understand is whether or not your beneficiary, if you pass away within your 401k plan, 403b, whatever it is, if they can roll it over into an account 
in their own name. If they're your spouse, can they roll it over into their own rollover IRA? They may not be able to. So, you know, it's what are the rules or the details around how flexible that money will be to your beneficiaries? Can you um, name a trust as the beneficiary of your 401k? Can you name nonprofits as the beneficiary? So you need to understand that an IRA, you can name whoever you want. You can have very highly detailed, very highly specialized beneficiary definitions, whereas within the 401k plan, it may be somewhat more limited, not maybe in the definitions of who can be a beneficiary, but in how they can receive that money and how complicated it is. Jessica, let's talk a little bit more about taxes. We want to talk about how Roth conversions can weigh into this consideration. But before we do that, can we just spend a little time talking about how the money gets into a Roth in the first place? Sure. There are several ways to get money into a Roth IRA. One option is that some employers allow you to make elective deferrals into a Roth bucket directly within your 401k. I do that. I do too. And one of the cool features about that is, you know, if you want to contribute to a Roth IRA, there are income limitations that you have to abide by. So for them, some of those people who earn incomes too high to contribute directly to a Roth IRA, this is a fantastic option, you know, to get money into that Roth IRA directly. You know, in keeping in mind, if there's an employer match, that goes into the pre-tax side. So, you know, and one of those things that I like to talk about is flexibility of income sources in retirement. That kind of helps create that because as an employee, your contributions are, you know, could be Roth if it fits while the employer match coming in is pre-tax. So it's kind of giving you a variety of money. And when I talk about tax planning, flexibility is amazing. So I love the idea of being able to do that directly. Some 401k plans also allow the ability to do a direct conversion within the 401k. Keep in mind when you do that, if you convert your pre-tax assets into a Roth bucket into your 401k, you do have to have money to pay that tax liability you know, when you file your tax returns, whether it's paying a liability when you file or an estimated payment, you know, but keeping in mind that there's some flexibility. I'm going to just maybe blow your mind with this one because there is another, there is another <laughs> Roth option within a 401k plan. It may not be widely available to everyone. Um, it is available within some plans, but it's actually really cool. And what it's called is a mega backdoor Roth. So you may have heard of regular backdoor Roth, but no, this is not that. This okay. is a mega backdoor Roth. Before you get to what's a mega backdoor Roth, tell us what's a backdoor Roth. A backdoor Roth is making a traditional contribution and then immediately converting it to a Roth for someone who's not eligible to make a Roth contribution because their income is over the limit. So that's just a regular IRA. But now we're talking about within the 401k plan specifically. Okay. Now, how this would work is, number one, your employer has to allow it, right? They have to allow Roth conversions within the plan, and they also have to allow something called a after-tax contribution. So how that works is you would make a contribution in addition to what you're already adding to your traditional 401k, meaning you're already putting in your 22.5 or your 30,000 if you're over age 50, you're already maxing out and you're you're someone who has an income high enough that you really would like to be able to put away more. And so what you're able to do is make a non-deductible contribution. It is an after-tax contribution. There is no deduction coming out of your paycheck for it from a tax standpoint. You're putting money into that account and then you are converting it at some point 
into a Roth IRA. Now, if you do it in the right way, almost immediately after that contribution goes in, you may not have to pay any taxes on that conversion. If you do it and the money has been invested and there's some earnings, you may end up paying a little tax on the earnings. But the the cool thing about this is that you can put a lot more money away than just your 22.5 or your 30,000. I have heard of billionaires doing this, right? I mean, there is there yeah. there's been stories written about Peter Thiel, for example, and his mega Roth IRA backdoor, mega backdoor Roth IRA, right, whatever it is. Well, you know, yeah. uh, we'll mix up the words a little bit, but no, there have been stories written about how much money this is and. Is this fair? Well, I, that that's a question that I can't answer. Is it fair? I don't know. Because obviously you have to have enough income in order to be able to do this. You don't need that money for some other purpose and you want it to go into your retirement account. I mean, the benefit obviously is that now it's growing tax deferred and then later on when you take it out, that's tax free. At least that Roth portion is. But you can put in $66,000 if you're under age 50. But keep in mind, this is the total contribution going in, meaning your 22.5 that you're putting in, whatever your employer is putting in, and then whatever you're putting into this after-tax account, it has to cap out at 66000 for all of those sources if you're under 50, and it's 73500 if you're over 50 and making those contributions. So it's a lot that you're able to put aside and not have to pay taxes on the earnings. And I would imagine this can be, I mean, one of the benefits to a Roth IRA is that you don't have to worry about RMDs. You don't have to worry about required minimum distributions ever. So if you want to pass this account along to your heirs, you can, right? I mean, this has huge estate planning implications. Heirs can inherit Roth IRAs and forego those tax implications, but they do have to start taking distributions. And most likely that's going to be following the 10-year rule for inherited IRA distributions, meaning that they have to distribute that entire inherited Roth IRA within that 10-year period of time. But keep in mind, they have to take these distributions, but there are no tax impacts to do so. You know, so that allows them to really maximize the growth in this account and just distribute as those RMD rules apply and then liquidate the account by the 10th year. Right. So it's a way to get a lot of money into the hands of your heirs, avoiding annual giving restrictions, avoiding the huge right now, estate tax unified credit. I mean, there there's a lot. Absolutely. If you've got the money, there's a lot you can do here. And when you think about when people most likely inherit assets and you think about having to distribute these assets over 10 years, most people are, are receiving these inherited assets during their peak earning years. So when you think about the fact of having to liquidate a potential inherited account from your parents during your peak earning years, the tax implications of that can be pretty substantial. What about taxes overall? I mean, let's just let's bring us down out of mega land and talk about ways to implement a more tax efficient withdrawal strategy to generate income in retirement in your IRA. Working with a financial planner like Isabel, I think the biggest piece of that is it is a very customized approach, and it involves taking a look at all of those different asset classes. You know, we've talked about pre-tax, Isabel talked about after-tax buckets, we've got Roth buckets, and so really being able to have someone who can walk through that with you and help you navigate when and where to take your distributions from, the sourcing of your income is really, really important during retirement. Which brings us back, I guess, Isabel, to 
thinking about, do I roll over or do I not roll over? Do I leave the money in a 401k or do I move it to an IRA? Yeah, there's so many implications, be it, you know, do you do Roth conversions over time later? Do you, you know, because there are strategies that we work with clients where they may be doing really small Roth conversions over a long period of time and the 401k plan doesn't allow them to do that. Or we're strategizing how to take money out of of a pre-tax IRA in the years before you, you know, when you might be using the Affordable Care Act and you have a subsidy that you need to keep your income under a certain level, or you're worried about Medicare premium increases, the IRMA that we talk about. So there's a lot of strategies where rolling over or leaving money in the plan might be better. One might be better than the other. And or let's say you're over, you know, 73 and you're still working. Well, we might even be rolling money out of an IRA back into a plan. So lots of strategies, lots of things to think about, but all things that you can talk to your advisor about. Amazing information from both of you. I know that there are a lot of people out there, Isabel, whose minds are blown at this point from your description, but it's all all good to know. That's it for this show. I want to thank both of you, Isabel and Jessica, for your time and your help. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or just visit everydaywealth.com. You'll find all of our episodes available to you. Thanks for listening and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.